Good morning. It is a pleasure to be here with you this morning, and I just want to extend my gratitude uh, to the staff here, the pastoral staff, and to the leadership um, of, uh, of Glenn and for the hospitality of the Spiritual Life uh, team uh, and for your invitation to be here with you this weekend. It is a pleasure to be here, and uh, we had a wonderful time yesterday. If you didn't see it, it's out there somewhere uh, recorded, so I hope that you have an opportunity to see that. Um, and I also just want to uh, recognize that Reverend uh, Patricia Battle, who's the Association Minister with the United Church of Christ, is here, and I thank her for coming over this morning. It's always good to see familiar faces. And there are no strangers, so you all are familiar faces this morning. Let's, just, let's have a word of prayer as we get started. Holy God, we are so thankful for the ways that you continue to speak, for the ways that you show up, and for the ways that you remind us that you are present, alive, vibrant, and that the Holy Spirit continues to facilitate our presence, our growth, and our ability to do justice in this world. And so as we listen to a word this morning, we pray, O oh God, that you speak to us, and we pray, O oh God, that this word may be alive and well in our spirits, and we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to start with a poem, because that's always a good place to start. And uh, this one is entitled, Unscripted. There is that day, one amazing day, where time unwinds in stationary stillness, beckoning. The hours unfurl, uninterrupted, soft, like moon-kissed petals covered with dew under the early morning sun. Each minute, we are transformed, moments taken in stride, finding laughter amid strangeness, joy in the mundane. Like waters meandering wistfully through flowered concrete canals, making our way through busy streets, we journey. Invited unknowingly to drink from deep wells, walking the unfamiliar, repeatedly we tread uncharted pathways, seeking salves for sapped souls, looking for the obvious to mend fragmented lives, we encounter magic in letting go. Our unnoticed emptiness is replenished, gazing at the sacred beauty of existing today where life finds us. Walking in the sun, we find ourselves unscripted partners writing memories with mystery. Finding what we did not seek, we rediscover the timelessness of self. Renewed, we rid ourselves of brokenness. Remembering, we are healed. All we need, we find standing in the stillness today. In the end, our hearts replete with wonder we watch the world go by from neon-lighted street corners, grateful. 
In March of 2020, about two weeks before our churches experienced that first Sunday of lockdown, I preached at the Coral Gables United Church of Christ in Coral Gables, Florida. The title of that sermon was Letting Go of Certainty, which is not to be confused with today's sermon title, When Certainty Fails. As I was preparing for this sermon, which I had already sent the text and all these things, I found this other sermon that I had written four years ago, almost. It made me wonder about certainty, yet again, perhaps from some different places, but I realized also that what I had written then was still relevant now, and so there are some things that I said then that I'm gonna say again. That sermon was written right at the beginning of Lent, and the church was in the process of doing a Lenten series on letting go. And so each week, the pastoral team was preaching about things that we should be letting go of during the Lenten season. So I happened along into this sermon series, and the title of the sermon was Letting Go of Certainty. So I'm pausing again to think about these places. As I reflected between these two sermon opportunities, it made me think about what has happened since the 8th of March of 2020. There is a lot of letting go that was done. I don't think any of us saw those moments coming where the things that we held as certain would begin to unravel in such a way that required our immediate responses. Certainty is a very tricky thing to hold on to. Certainty, by definition, is the firm, 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 conviction that something is the case. It is the quality of being reliably, reliably true. And the word is also defined as a person or a thing that may be relied on. Certainty is usually experienced as a foregone conclusion. I want, to, I want you to pause a minute and think about the things that you hold as certainties for your life. In a pre-COVID existence, there were things that were certain for me. So I'm gonna talk about myself while you're thinking about yourself. So my life revolved a lot around travel. I was never home for any extended period of time. In fact, when I purchased my house in 2019, mere months before the pandemic, I bought my house on the flight path into the Cleveland Hopkins Airport. I lived 15 minutes from the airport because I figured it would be, it would be easier to get to the airport 
and I preferred to drive 30 minutes to the office because I never went there that often anyway. <laughs> the airport was the place that I needed to be. That was a certainty. I was going to be on a plane, and that was going to be the way that things happened. I got up in the mornings, I got in my car, I drove to the airport, I drove these places, right? Um, much of my life revolved around in-person meetings and, and being in the office. All of that changed. We held the certainty that on Sunday mornings, we had the option of coming into this place to go to church or wherever our spaces were, right? That was our predominant. If we chose not to go, that was okay too. We had a choice. All of that went away. You didn't have a choice. The certainty of getting up and going to church changed. We had to stay home. Now the fascinating part was that for those of us um, who preach every Sunday, like the staff here, there were certainties there too. You were gonna work on your sermon, you get it, got it ready at least an hour before, maybe sometimes 30 minutes, <laughs> so that you could get into the sermon, with, into the pulpit with something. You prepared, you showed up, you delivered. All of a sudden, we became content creators. We had to learn how to turn that phone sideways, record ourselves, start culling. Everybody became an executive producer. And there were new skills that were learned along the way. Those certainties were gone. In the text this morning, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, it's a little bit of an unusual text. But what I found fascinating in the text is not the topic about the food that is sacrificed to idols. It's the sub-narrative about certainty that is present. So there were things that were practiced during that time. The meat that was sacrificed to idols was sometimes distributed and people would eat it, right? This was a given. Now all of a sudden, people were moving into this following of Jesus and people were trying to sort through what it meant to eat this meat that was sacrificed to idols. Right Now, it's interesting because the text starts off with knowledge. This, um, this contrast between knowledge and love. Knowledge is puffed up. Love is certain. Right, And there's this, this certainty that begins to ring throughout the text. And as I thought about the way that the text is written, I wonder, what are some of the things that we hold as knowledge and true that are tripping us up around the things that are emerging among us? So there's a certainty that's present, something new is emerging, and what the conclusion is, well, maybe we just shouldn't eat the meat at all, right? Because the meat, the eating of the meat, that particular action, does not bring us closer to God. So the question is, what does? And I wanna say that our certainty does not. 
because a lot of the certainties that we hold, especially when it comes to certainties about God, are the places that are tripping us up in our ability to live, to move, and to understand spirit. The church has a particular history. There are lots of things in the life of the church, I'm talking about historically, that have been held as truths that had to be released in order for the church to move on. There were truths about women in leadership. That was definitely a failure of certainty. There were also truths about people's ability to love each other. Same gender loving people were seen as people who were not to be included in the life of the church. That too was a failure of certainty. The church in its existence has also sanctioned the enslavement of people, a failure of certainty. Its involvement in, and the perpetuation of Jim Crow laws in this country, a failure of certainty. The church's involvement in apartheid and its apartheid theology in South Africa, a failure of certainty because any of those things that I've just mentioned were all apparently based on facts, facts and studies, and they were failures. So what are the things that we're currently holding as truths, as knowledge, as certainties that we need to release in order for us to be the church that God has called us to be? Certainty can be a problem. And that's what the text is calling about. Because if we hold those certainties in a particular way that cause other people to not be able to access God's love, God's promise, and God's presence, then certainty is a failure. I believe that our desire to live with certainty in our lives is one of the things that stands also in, as an obstacle in our ability to live a deeper relationship with God. The scripture challenges us in many ways this morning. The chapter begins, all of us possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up but love builds up. And there's a difference between being puffed up. Um, that, 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 um, that image reminds me of a peacock, <laughs> you know, kind of getting all puffed up, right? And, and, um, and, and, and a little bit of arrogance in there too. So there's a difference between being puffed up and being built up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge, but anyone who loves God is known by God. So we could substitute out 
our topics for the morning, for this discourse, and move away from the eating of meat and begin to think, what are the things that are calling us in this moment? As I close, I want to share, as I was looking over the sermon that I had written four years ago, in there I had done some research and I found a blog that was written by Ceylon George at the Spiritual Living for, um, and it was entitled Spiritual Living for Busy People. Um, the title of the article, Three Reasons Why the Pursuit of Certainty is Making You Miserable. I thought I would share that here. So George explores the false logic of certainty and notes the following. You may believe that the secret to happiness is to have more certainty in your life, but your pursuit may ironically be the source of your unhappiness. If you find yourself insisting on certain outcomes, George says this may be causing you to, give, um, to leave behind things that are unfinished. Why? Because certainty and predictability stand in the way of pursuing big goals, of embarking on new dreams where you are unclear of outcome. If certainty is needed, we really are not exercising the faith in God of the impossible. So the first thing he says is, which I found interesting, if certainty is what you need to live, one, you may be a serial quitter. <laughs> Giving up over and over again on new ideas, new projects, new adventures, because you need a particular outcome. Think about that, right? Because that's what certainty does. It says that you need to see a particular thing in a particular way, right? Number two, you may feel like life is always against you, that every moment that is unexpected begins to feel personal and problematic, right? That's what certainty does. It holds you in a groove, in kind of a group thinking. So how might dropping your expectations allow you to embrace and enjoy life more fully? The third thing, which is interesting for the life of the church, you may struggle to have meaningful relationships. Why? Because the need for certainty makes us argumentative and close-minded. It ingrains fear of having our beliefs and ideas challenged. The need for certainty causes us to be resistant to changing our minds, to listening to other ideas, to learning and growing in community. That's a part of what's in our text this morning. This idea that community begins to be affected by our certainty, or our desire for certainty. Certainty fails us when we hold the knowledge with rigidity that leaves us unwilling or unable to lean into the change that is present or calling us. And that too is about the presence and power of God at work among us, which oftentimes interrupts our lives in ways that says that we have to release that certainty because faith certain, certainly is not about certainty. There's nothing 
that is certain about saying that where we are is on a journey of faith. We are invited to trust God as we walk in faith. We live in a time where we want to know all the positives and the negatives. We want to deeply explore our options before we make commitments. We go to the Google and we start searching because we want to diminish our uncertainties. So perhaps too, we want to diminish the fears that come with living. And yet, this place where certainty fails is the place where we begin to learn and grow in different kinds of ways. A place where God invites us to say, what is this new thing that is emerging among us? And can we believe that the God of the impossible is making all things not only possible, but also new. May we contemplate that on this journey. Amen.